1: Welcome to today's show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to introduce Dana Oliver. He is the author of two books, and we're going to be talking a little bit about each book. Mantra Design Innovate, Buy, or Die reveals the secrets for identification of your customers' unmet needs, including profitable and lasting innovation solutions. His first book, Mantra Leadership, focused on the application of leadership while combining his 30 years of experience to provide a foundation for easy understanding of methodology and now in his second book mantra design is taking it a step further author dana oliver is joining us and i invited him in here to share a little bit about the power of innovative leadership for every person out there dana welcome to the program
2: Hey Rick. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you, sir, and it's a and it's an even bigger pleasure to be part of Critical Mass for Business.
1: Well, thank you very much. You know, this show is brought to you by our advertisers, Center Club, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Sunup Group, and T and & Company. You know, Dana, I've been excited to have you on the show. Not only have you written one book, but you have a second book out, and we're going to touch on each one of those, as I said. But can you tell us a little bit about how you came to researching leadership for your first book? yeah that's
2: a great question. I mean, you know Rick, at the end of the day, it's simply it's about people, and I think people deserve better. And yet, after spending thirty years of my career in business and research and development, you know I, I realized that you know observing quietly leaders that they were more concerned with their own upward mobility mm. as well as their own self-promotion than they were about people. But yet leadership is about people. And when you finally begin to understand the paradigm shift between worrying about yourself compared to worrying about your, your people, you know, leadership is multiplicative. And when, you, and when you take that paradigm shift to emotionally intelligent leadership, you can increase your team's productivity by as much as 30% or more. And I try to preach and write about
1: that. That's that's very powerful, and I, I'd I'd like to step back to what you said in that. In that, if as a passive observer, Dana, you were able to recognize that many leaders were more self-interested than interested in their team, did you also observe, or do you believe that members of their team were also feeling the same way about that leader?
2: Well, there's no doubt about it. That's true. The problem is that when you're a leader, you, you you're not perfect, and you have to begin to recognize your blind spots and. And that's one of the first things, if you really want to be really good at what you do, is you want to identify what you know. Uh, example: if you have a, if you have a hot temper, you have to identify you have that temper, and you have to be able to take a breath. You need to hear when people bring bad news to you. The response needs to be thankful. You know, thank you for that. I wow. appreciate the honesty. Because if you're not, you'll never get bad news again. And it's a <laughs> mantra that I write about, which is. You know, culture is a byproduct of leadership. You get exactly what you want, whether you realize it or not.
1: Right, and you've used terms around emotional leadership, Dana. And and, and we're talking with Dana Oliver. He's the author of two books. We're going to be talking about both mantra leadership and mantra design. But how critical is, in your research, then, the ability of of a leader to have emotional, to practice emotional intelligence?
2: Oh, my Lord. I mean, all the data tells you that um, if if you employ emotionally intelligent leadership, that that determines a great leader compared to an average leader. Matter of fact, EI is 90% more important than IQ is. So being able to identify with people, associate with people, make people get focused on what's important to them, to share the business mission, to be part of, uh, you, you know the, the company goal that's when you know people will get focused and they'll work don't don't knock down mountains for you the problem is is that if you don't get people bought in or if they think you're self obsessed why do they want to work hard for you why do they care about the mission if they know that they're nothing more than a number
1: exactly we're talking about Dana Oliver and we're talking about both of his books right now we're talking about mantra leadership and we'll be talking about mantra design here uh, in a minute you know the listeners to our radio show critical mass radio show Tend to be CEOs and business owners of lower middle market companies, Danny, you know, about 5 to $50 million, kind of in that range. The work that you've done, have, have you observed leaders in organizations of that size? Yeah, the the
2: answer is unequivocally. So I mean if you think about my run, what's what's great about I think the work, my writings and my experience is that I've worked for startups as, as small as, you know, five to ten people. And and over the last fourteen years I've helped move, you know, a hundred million dollar business to approximately two billion. So you can imagine the challenges, and I, I'm telling you, it is entirely different whether you're a startup compared to a company that's zero to fifty, compared to zero, you know, fifty to a hundred, a hundred to a quarter billion, and then a billion and beyond. And and the people that you need, and the policies, and how you look at business are all very different.
1: Right, and that, and I think each area needs its own focus and i'm finding in the work that i've been doing here in orange county leading ceo peer groups that the zero to 50 can be really an underserved area you know i said in the open about unmet needs i think that is such a critical aspect for a company to be able to discover a uh, profitable innovation and customers unmet needs can we talk about your book mantra design oh of course what was the inspiration for you to write your second book
2: well I think you know like you said we talked about my first book in leadership and and in the principle. so again if I go back and say I've been able to help surgical technologies from 100 million to 2 billion I wanted to be able to share those those business philosophies as well as the best practices so I kind of you know set up the book so that each chapter was one of the mantras and each one of these mantras is is something that I pur- very purposefully employed and these are all very pragmatic and useful to help you know, any any business person, whether you're an innovator or a business leader, be understand you know, how to tap into your customers' unmet needs, and then how to uh, bring them to market and help identify and create those high-margin products.
1: Margin is key, isn't it?
2: Oh my God! Well, I you know, if you shouldn't, in my opinion, anyways, why even do a product? <laughs> You know, why bring a product to market if you're not going to have a margin? Right. For me, I, you know, there's certain criteria, I think, when you need to look at something. And if you're not going to have an NPV of a million dollars or greater, and if your margins are not going to be anywhere from 50 to 80 percent, I mean, and if your return is not going to be preferably less than, you know, three years or something,
1: why do it? Is that why you added the words innovate, buy, or die?
2: Well, it, you know. I added that very purposely because I, I, when you look at businesses today, the, you know, if you're a growth business, I, I can tell you and I can promise you that you're investing heavily in organic innovation. But then as you, you, know, so you talk about these 0 to $50 million companies or $100 million, my guess is if they're growing, they're investing heavily in organic, and it's probably on the order of 10% or greater of a percentage of their revenues. But yet when you become more of a behemoth, you begin to worry less about growth and more about uh, being a value company. So you're going to deliver your, your, uh, your, your shareholders less than 10%. And a lot of those companies are more obsessed with acquisitions because mm. they're more concerned with, hey, I can see the money, I can put this into a P&L, and I can see a favorable return on that, and it, and it looks good. But the reality is, boy, if you want to control your destiny, if you want to grow, you need to invest in organic
1: right and have both of those uh, uh, as options for your future growth we're talking with dana oliver he is the author of two books and we've been talking about both of those books here on critical mass radio show we're going to take our first commercial break for this segment Uh, dana when we come back i'd like to ask you to talk about how a firm can introduce premium priced patent protected market leading products after reading your books so can we talk about that Absolutely, sir. So. Right. You don't want to go anywhere then, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to be right back with Dana Oliver after these words from our sponsors.
0: Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO Peer Groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass,
3: You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-455. 458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia, that's my cell, 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call.
1: Many of our loyal listeners know that I have been a member of Center Club in Costa Mesa for six years now with their professionally renovated meeting rooms, common areas. It's a delight to hold customer meetings there that I do, my monthly CEO peer groups, my annual executive conference. I find the club to be both professional and personal at the same time. If you're looking for a place where you can meet some of Orange County's most successful and vibrant business leaders, then joining the Center Club may be the right idea. If you have an upcoming Event, maybe a wedding or a birthday or some place, some event you want to have at a very nice, memorable location, visit center-club.com. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Dana Oliver is our guest for this segment. You know, all of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on our show. You know, since we started in 2009, our show has reached over 170,000 listeners with our podcast. Simply type Critical Mass Radio Show in your podcasting software to find our weekly shows. Dana, before the break, I said I was going to ask you to talk about how a firm can introduce premium priced patent protected market share leading products effectively after reading your book. Can you share just a little bit of insight in that area? Yeah,
2: great question Rick and thank you for that. I mean, at the end of the day, it begins and ends with your customers. And and if you want to, you know, offer the things that you've just talked about, I have a mantra which is Innovation begins with the eye, not not the letter I, but the eyeball. And what that what I'm trying to say there is that if, if you want to if you begin to get close to your customers and you create what I, I believe is essentially important is a simulated environment to watch your customers work, you will then begin to see unmet need. So if you want to leapfrog your competition. You have to offer something. It, it, it can't be a me-too product. It has to be something that's differentiated and that your customer is going to be willing to pay for. The only way to get that is to identify something that no one else is working on. So if you get very close to your customers to a level of a peer-level approach, as well as if you watch them quietly, goes back to this observation. When you begin to ask questions, hey, why are you doing that? And you begin to see things that might save you know a lot of minutes or or or, you know and make something far more efficient or, or whatever the potential advantage may be that's where your discovery is but you can you'll never get that in a boardroom you'll never get that in a focus group you'll never get that in some academic exercise this only occurs by watching your customers perform their craft
1: well that that's i'm talking with dana oliver and he's talking about some of the content in his books you know dana that's very encouraging to me and liberating in the sense that, you know, again, our audience, you know, five to $50 million companies, many times they don't have the resources of a, of a marketing department that can go out and do customer surveys and really kind of look at the market and figure out where the sweet spots are. But to hear that all you have, one of the key things you can do is listen to your customers and ask thoughtful questions and use your eyes to observe their work process, I think every company that every leader that listens to the critical mass radio show could do that
2: oh rick you are absolutely right and and you know i this is another thing too i think when you look beyond where business was 20 or 30 years ago if you think about jack welch and having to be number one or number two in your spot if you look back now when you say if you look at companies like starbucks or Victoria's secrets their approach was very different they said i want to be the very best Hmm. In a very narrow sliver. Hmm. So those fifty million dollar companies, you have to ask yourself, what makes you special? What differentiates you? And if you ch- if you say, I want to be the very best in that small and differentiated space, that's what you need to dedicate yourself to. And to your point, you don't need you know massive marketing accounts and peoples and focus groups. What you just need to do is, even if you're one to five people or ten to twelve, boy get as close as you humanly can to your customers and begin to offer them something that nobody else is and then when you commit to that you stay with it it's what i call dance with the girl you came with continue to invest in in that idea or that technology or that platform you know that helped
1: differentiate you in the first place right well you know and the and we're talking about Dana Oliver. You know, one of the truths about that is when you're focused on a super tight niche like that, some of your larger competitors aren't going to want to compete with you because the niche isn't big enough.
2: Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, speaking from a guy who, you know, again, I'm part of Medtronic, we're forever looking. You know, so the bigger you get, right, what begins to happen is the question is, hey, if we're $2 billion, how do you grow the business 10% next year. You know, how do you get another $200 million? So all of a sudden, it's, you see opportunities that are worth, you know, a, a million dollars or $10 million or even even more than that, and you pass on them, which to me, it gives a great opportunity. And it's also, it's interesting to me, Rick, And and, and forgive me for my long answer here, but you know, throughout my career... Every place I've ever worked was a byproduct of, of a technology or a therapy that was generated in another
1: company that they choose to ignore because it wasn't big enough for them. What do you say to a business owner who says, I've been all over my market, I can't find unmet needs?
2: Well, I mean, certainly, <clears throat> it, 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 I mean, example, you know, can you make a better mousetrap? I mean, obviously, depending on what product or what technology you're in, it could be something that is ultimately mature. But... I would tell you, I think that's um that's less likely, right? I think everything has an opportunity. If you look at the technology around you, I mean things are getting smaller, more flexible, materials are stronger. Technology is greater, the internet is is you know is there. information travels. Um, technology now is interactive between whether it's your clothes or your being or mm-hmm. your computer right i I have to believe that you know, again, nothing is foolproof. But I believe if you spend time with your customer at a peer level, and this is the key, if you, if you get so close to your customer that you can see their pain points as well as their unmet, the things that they assume, the needs in, that they want in a product. But when you get so close, you begin looking and saying, my God, you do things because you just have learned to do it that way. It doesn't mean it's right and it doesn't mean it's better. It just, it's, but you don't get that closeness. You don't see that until you reach that very intimate level with your customers.
1: All right, I want to shift gears with you, Dana, if I can, with a little bit of time that we have left. What advice can you give to our audience of business owners, CEOs running middle market companies? Say they say, hey, I have a book in me that I'd like to write. Hmm. What advice would you give a, a struggling author or a would-be author to be able to write their first book?
2: Yeah, Rick, that's a great question, and, and I'll throw a couple facts at you. I mean, I think the first thing is that uh, publishing has become really easy, and I don't know if your listeners realize it or not, but there are approximately one thousand new books published a day. That means in a year, you're, to, you're competing against three hundred sixty-five thousand. Imagine that number, and then the average book sells about five thousand copies. So I would tell your, you know, your audience that write for the love of writing. <laughs> right for you know you you have to have self gratification, but if you want to be profitable, don't think about your book as your ultimate mechanism for that profitability. And maybe you'll be one of those great authors, you know Stephen King. But I think more importantly, if you wanted to write that book, do it and think about the 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 services after the book. Hmm. So, example, if I put this into something more tangible, I wrote my books on leadership and on innovation. Now, when I retire from Medtronic, I will become an independent consultant and educator. I'll point to my books as, you know, they'll be my new resume. Right. So my books are a mechanism to help me with my consulting.
1: So so what did you learn about design as you were researching and writing mantra design?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Rick. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I, I, I've, I preach a lot, and I write about the importance of emotionally intelligent uh, leadership style, and I think to me it's that same thing. It's employing emotionally intelligent innovation. So the diff- what makes a average innovation company from a great innovation company is innovation leadership. It's that person. It's their philosophies. It's uh, it's their enthusiasm. It's their principles and their beliefs and their back practices and all those. I mean, it's that. It's what I call the innovation leader in a business. Is that person that brings the magical pixie dust? And even though I've been doing innovation, and I, you know, I have over 20 patents, and I've helped grow many businesses, that you know, that pixie dust, that innovation, that innovation leader, is the difference maker.
1: Do you think in larger organizations, a middle-level manager who demonstrates these kind of qualities can put themselves on a fast track to senior executive management?
2: Well, I I would tell you, I mean, what typically makes most leaders great from average ones is they can identify talent. Okay. <laughs> so, if you have someone in your organization that's really good, boy, you're going to you're going to pick up on them very quickly. But that's the key, right? The key is do you want to be one of those leaders that thinks they're the smartest person in the room or do you want to be one of those leaders that identifies talent? helps them share you you share the vision with them you empower them to go out and do and make even more and better than what you've done and when you do that you that's what i mean about untapping emotional intelligence if you know if your people are doing better and making you look good well you're the recipient of all that great work on their behalf
1: we're sort of coming full circle here then we're sort of back talking about the emotionally intelligent leader aren't we
2: well, and and again, that's why my two books are so tied. Everything I talk about, whether it's uh, you know whether it's pure leadership or pure innovation, emotional intelligence is key to the two of them. I, I, obviously, there's principles and practices, and that's what I try to write about in both the books. And and I use many mantras and, the, and examples of that. But yeah, they're they're inevitably tied at the hip.
1: So somebody would like to buy your books imagine that hopefully after this interview people will say hey you know these books have value and I think I want to buy them how do they find them Dana
2: thank you for that Rick I, certainly the best place to go is my webpage uh, www.mantraleadership that's spelled M-A-N T-R-A-Leadership.com, and and I think to that point, I give people, you know, they can get a free preview, as well as I have hyperlinks out to, you know, things like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and I have previous interviews and magazines that I've done that people can preview, so if they like what I'm hearing tonight, they can certainly go see more.
1: You have a third book? Are you working on a third book, John? Yeah, oh
2: boy, I, I, I have a great idea, I have many great ideas for another book. Yeah? Right now, I'm focused, frankly, on like I, said, I mentioned earlier about uh, going independent. So I'm working a lot on uh, materials for that.
1: And will it be in the same mantra series? Is this a series now? The two books that they are they the start of a series for you?
2: That's what I was thinking, and that's why I tried to you know keep that keep right. that mantra in the name
1: title. And why mantra?
2: Well, you know what? In, in all my practices, I use mantras. I mean, and so funny enough, when you look at the books, each chapter is based on a mantra that I've popularized, and I use them because for leadership, part of leadership is about being consistent, being concise, and and, and maintaining alignment with simplicity with your team. Hmm. So mantras offer that to me. I don't have to explain complex theories, but, you know, after I might work with them once or twice, I can then just reference the mantra, and that's how I work with my teams.
1: Dana, I want to thank you so much for writing these two books, sharing just a little bit about the content in each book, being a friend of the Critical Mass radio show, and I really want to officially welcome you to the Critical Mass community.
2: Rick, first, of all, thank you very much for having me on the show. It was an absolute pleasure, and I hope that we have the opportunity to, to link up again.
1: Well, I tell you what, you have a standing, open invitation to come back. When the third book comes out, you should come here and talk about it first.
2: Great, Rick. Thank you very much, sir. It's been an absolute
1: pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, Dana. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our second break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. When we come back, John K. Bates, CEO and founder of Executive Speaking Success, will be back on the program. I'm really excited to have John on the show. Be back.
4: our executive peer group. Successfully navigating the changing world of public relations and digital marketing requires an experienced, tenacious, yet gracious team. In business for more than 20 years, Orange County-based and Company delivers big agency results with personalized service. For more information, call us at 714-536-8407 or visit us online at t and